Hey there, I'm Marjorie Stiegler, and you're listening to the Career Prescription Podcast, where we tackle the important things they don't teach you in medical school, like how to treat your career like the business it really is, with strategies to accelerate the kind of success that you want, because you deserve a career you love and a career that loves you back. Are you ready? Let's get into it. Hey gang, welcome back. I am here with John Jerica for part two of this podcast episode, or really, I guess, two episodes talking about the endless possibilities for your non-clinical career consideration. And in the prior episode, we talked about, depending upon your specialty, what you might look at, uh, what kind of opportunities are open for you and what you can pursue depending upon your specialty and your training and so forth. And today we are going to continue that conversation uh, first by talking about whether or not you need additional training, uh, another degree or anything of the sort, and get into just much, much more of John's outstanding advice. So let's launch right into it. Now we want to talk about the, uh, do you need an advanced degree? So I can break this answer into three three parts. Number one, the answer is no to anything, <laughs> but it's not really exactly true. But for most non-clinical careers, most non-clinical careers that build on your clinical background, you're already pre-approved uh, in a sense or pre-qualified because you're a physician. And so if somebody needs a physician, like if it says medical director, they can't hire anybody else but a physician. So you might need some additional skills. So that's, but for a lot, you don't. Uh, it's nice to get a certification if that'll give you a, a, a little bump above somebody. For example, the guy who did the CDI, well, he got a little certification in ICD-10. took him like 10 weeks or three months or something to get that. And that was the thing I think they kind of put him over in terms of being uh, appearing qualified and being qualified for the job that he got. And he was, again, someone who wasn't residency trained. And, you know, if you're in informatics, you know, some kind of informatics courses, certification, that'll get you in. Although I think most hospitals and health systems are still looking for medical informaticists that just have clinical experience and just have an interest in that. Now, having said that, the, you know, I would say if you're, if your ultimate goal is to become chief medical officer at a hospital or chief medical information officer, there's a lot of these CXO jobs at hospitals, they pay extremely well. The, the course to get there is a little longer. At some point, if you're doing that or CQO, you're probably going to need a little certification in quality or patient safety maybe would help, but ultimately you'll probably need the equivalent to an MBA. But you can get your first job without it and then make the hospital that you're working for pay for it or at least part of it. That would be my strategy for that. Yeah, so important. I mean, I, I think uh, I see colleagues of mine doing this in a way that I view as backwards all the time, which is they know they want to do something non-clinical. So they set out to get an MBA, which is a expensive and very long process that may not lead anywhere. And of course, if you want to just get an MBA, I mean, get the MBA. If you, if you love the learning and you want to do it, um, I have, I have no beef with an MBA. I don't have one, so I can't speak firsthand to what that experience is like, but I'm not sure it's ever the first step towards getting that non-clinical career. Yeah, I, I certainly don't recommend that. I'm just amazed sometimes when I see people that have an MBA and it's sort of like they're not using it at all, or they're talk, they're telling me that, and this is usually a listener or someone a subscriber that emails me or something, and it's like, 
oh yeah, I have this MBA and I'm trying to get a job as a physician advisor for UM. And I'm thinking, you are so overqualified for that job. I mean, come on, just jump to the medical director or the VPMA or even shoot for a CMO for a small hospital. You already have the business degree. You've got the clinical experience. You know, I think in that case, sometimes we're just thinking, we're just unsure of ourselves and we think we need to take every little step through there. So, but I, again, I advise pretty much everyone that asked me to try and delay the MBA or the MMM or the MHA, or there's so many different ones you can get now, uh, till you really have some visibility that that's the direction you're going. Yeah, I, I think that's so important. And, you know, one of the reasons why anyone listening to this episode should obviously just also immediately go check out your website and your resources is I, I think the reason why people will do what you just described, which is go get an MBA and then say they want to do UM or something is because they really don't know what the jobs are about, right? They, they don't right. know what those jobs are and they don't know what the actual qualifications are. They don't know when they're overqualified. They don't know, they think they're underqualified when they're not. So they don't realize they are qualified and they pursue a lot of things that are either just not necessary or are just definitely taking them the long way mm-hmm. instead of just getting the job. Yeah. Although, you know, we got to cut them some slack sometime because I mean, we don't, we don't, nobody teaches us, you know, it's not, and luckily there are people like you that are, they're teaching and podcasting and there's blogs and so forth, but it's hard to get started and know where to look. One thing I would do just for fun, I guess, if this sounds like fun is just start reading job descriptions, just go, just read a thousand job descriptions. I mean, in pharma in you know, hospital systems and others, LinkedIn has almost every job description you can think of it's so easy to access that and you just start to see trends and and you'll see language in there they say oh that's interesting you know that i'm seeing that over and over again i guess i better learn something about that yeah you know yeah no that's quite right and, and you're absolutely right nobody teaches us any of this stuff i think for people like me you know it's it's one of the things that motivates me to want to help other people learn it is you know i kind of stumbled through and perhaps got quite lucky and you know now when i think back about well if, if I had known then what I know today, you know, I might've approached things entirely differently. Uh, and, and you certainly know a, a whole lot of stuff. I mean, if you wanted to pursue really any of the careers uh, on your vast website, you'd know just how to start. Well, maybe now, but you know, I, I, I talked to some guests that are so intentional, it blows me away. It's like they got out of residency and they started like even the first day of practice to plan what their non-clinical career is going to be in four or five years. And, you know, if you knew how long it took me to go from practicing, you know, physician to CMO, just, you don't even want to hear the number, how long it took. It was just totally random. It just kind of happened naturally. I guess it was sort of organic, but not necessarily a very quick process that I follow, but I think we're all, because we have access to more information, uh, people can get through that process a lot quicker now. For sure. But you know, what you just said too, I think is really important for everybody to hear, which is, you know, a lot of things, and I think my career is like that too, uh, just happened sort of organically, right? They just, they flowed, things happened. I felt open to certain opportunities. Those opportunities presented themselves. Uh, There were probably some things along the way that I did that helped create that luck for me, but it wasn't necessarily deliberate at the time. And then of course, from those learnings, now I've got all kinds of strategy and deliberate uh, stuff to suggest to people. So, but if a person is deliberate, I mean, that's the entire reason really why a person shouldn't try to figure this stuff out necessarily on their own, because that will take them the long meandering way. But if they do deploy something that's really deliberate and strategic, it's a shortcut for sure. And, and increased probability of success. 
You know, there's an author out there who's fairly popular and he, he states that he doesn't really believe in goals, what he believes in is systems. And so if your system was when you connect with someone on LinkedIn, you know, have a little conversation, find out what they do and why they do it. If your system is when somebody asks you to do something, your tendency is to say yes, meaning join that committee, chair that committee, especially if it relates to a possible, you know, clinical situation, moving into a non-clinical, um, then say yes. I mean, those are systems that will get you there a little quicker, you know, and it's kind of what I did. You know, I just said yes to almost everything. And then the stuff that I liked, I kept doing the things I didn't like, I stopped doing. And it just kind of worked me up into hospital management. Yeah. Well, so we're on a little bit of a detour, but you want to take a few minutes to tell everybody about that? I mean, I introduced you based on your website and your podcast, but you've been a CMO. Tell us about that. Oh, I actually CMO is an awesome job. Um, now I talk to a lot of people who are just fed up with hospitals and they feel like they've been beat up by them, which I get and I understand. And there are some great hospitals where you can work where you don't feel that way. Even as a practicing physician, you know, maybe you had that experience. I didn't get beat up. I just got tired of seeing patients. But anyway, I, I was working there part-time as a UM and then I did medical directorships and, you know, I really liked it. I like working with the team. I like getting some measurable results. I was really drawn to quality, you know, quality improvement. And then as I became the VPMA and the CMO, I mean, I had major impact on patient quality, huge. I mean, I was responsible for bringing in quality measurement tools that we could actually track mortality, complications, readmission rates, all that. And it was all risk adjusted. I could talk to the physicians. I could you know, teach them more or less what they were doing wrong from a documentation standpoint or to meet guidelines. And we were developing protocols and so forth. We were a top 100 hospital for five of the years that I was there. And so it was very satisfying and it paid very, very well. We had, you know, not only a salary, but you had bonuses, you had deferred compensation. So uh, I would definitely recommend it. Matter of fact, the biggest component of the healthcare system is hospitals and health systems. It's almost 25% of the budget. Uh, of all meta, you know, healthcare spending. And so we need more physicians in that to promote physicians and promote good patient care. We really have a big deficit in my opinion, and we should have more hospitals run by physicians. So it's yeah. a great job. And I, I would encourage anyone who's listening to think about moving in that direction. Yeah. So important. So important. Cause you've really just hit on a handful of things. I mean, obviously I can see you lighting up as you're talking about it. You felt it was really meaningful and rewarding and also is obviously a very well compensated, which is a big concern. I mean, a lot of people tell me that their reason for hesitancy is they think they're going to have to take a pay cut, which is you know rarely the case, I think. But also that you get to make a big difference on a macro scale, uh, as you did, across your enterprise. And also that we really, really do need doctors at every single table. If we expect to be part of the solutions, we... We can't sit there and say, you know, stethoscopes over suits. Like we have to be able to be, somebody's got to wear the suit, right? We've got to, we've got to show up everywhere. Super important. Uh, someone obviously also has to stay in the clinic. Super important. <laughs> yes, yeah, and, and, and I do that. I say that caveat all the time too, is I don't want physicians necessarily to leave practice for no good reason, but right. if they thought long and hard about it and it's not right for them, then let, I'll help you do that. But uh, we definitely want to have physicians taking care of us. <laughs> I do in I the do. future. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just think it's also uh, fair that a person might want to, you know, have more than one type of career, even if it is a medical career in their lifetime, they want to contribute different things and they want to have different experiences. So I'm, I try to support everyone's desire to do that. 
Um, okay, what else? What other sort of, uh, you know, key non-clinical jobs or maybe things that people just haven't thought of? Um, okay, uh, like other types horizons. of jobs? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's see. Um, I'll throw out some that I just that stand out in my mind. I think people may have thought about these, but one is you should look at becoming a medical director for life insurance. It's not an easy job to get. The, the few people that I've talked to in that job loved it, never left it. It was intellectually very stimulating and paid well. One was a CMO of an insurance company and the other was a so-called medical director. But I mean, really, I don't think they had that many physicians in that role, you know, so she was the one they went to for any final decisions on, you know, underwriting certain patients. So that's a cool job that you might check out. I like medical expert witness because it just pays well, very well. As a family doctor, I could have stopped half of my practice, done that 10% or 20% of the time, made more money and had a better lifestyle. And if I was going to do it again, I would go back and pursue that. And there are people out there now that will help you to learn how to do that more quickly than, than just, you know, calling up an attorney, asking if they need help. Um, I learned recently about something called independent medical exams, Okay. Now I think, or most of the time that's an orthopedic or a rehab doctor that does those, but actually any physician can do an IME. Um, you are actually taking care, you're not taking care of the patient. You're interacting, you're seeing the patient, you're assessing the patient, uh, but you have no patient uh, physician relationship. The liability is essentially zero and you're paid very well. So that's, that's one that's kind of come on my radar recently, but it's been out there a long time. Um, I often promote to the, the, the non-traditional quite a bit for people that want to hang in there and do a little clinical. I mean, it's everything from locums to telemedicine. I'm, I usually am talking more about the remote uh, freelance telemedicine, you know, where you can work when you want, you know, weekends, nights, you know, there are ways of leveraging your ge- the geography to get paid more and things like that. Uh, aesthetics, you know, and med spas, weight loss, if you really want to eliminate, you know, the risk in terms of any uh, patient physician relationship, but you are taking care of those patients at some level, but concierge medicine, now it's getting closer to regular medicine, but you just opt out of all the external payers. Mm-hmm. Um, and two that I heard about recently, lifestyle medicine and functional medicine, those are actually board certifications. The people that I know doing that aren't actually practicing though. They make it very clear they're doing consulting they're using their medical background and they're consulting and teaching in addition to the medical, the functional or lifestyle medicine concepts they learned in the certification, but uh, they often do it remotely, you know, online. So they're really, it should be pretty clear. There's no re- true physician patient relationship, but that is an issue. I think you and I have talked about that before. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. If what you're doing seems like it might be the practice of medicine, but your right. model doesn't, you've got to tighten that up legally and yes. insurance uh, for sure. So those are some of the things that stand out to me that I think, I mean, there's so many other jobs, but, uh, but those are some. Then, every now and then I'll hear somebody say something to me like, you know, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would open, you know, a fitness center or a bakery or just something that like has nothing to do with anything medical. I've, I've heard a lot of people say that, but I don't actually know anybody who has actually done that. Do you? Uh, let me think. Uh, not really. Not anyone that I've really talked to at length. Um, I think something is lost if you don't find something that at least builds on your medical because it's just it's going to 
It's, it's going to be better financially if you can do that. Now, there's nothing wrong with opening a hot dog stand or, or any franchise for that matter. I mean, that's it. But if you're not naturally a business person, I mean, anything you do like that, you have to be a business person. And there are physicians, of course, that think very in a business-like way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it isn't something that, you know, naturally you think, okay, a physician should do this non-clinical thing that has nothing to do with medicine, you know? There's always some tie to it, yeah. almost always. Well, so if anyone's listening and they have indeed uh, bailed out to go do something like that, please uh, let me know. I'll have you yeah. on the show. John might have you on his show. Um, the other thing that I have heard a lot of people asking about lately is a physician in the media. So obviously, you know, you've yes. got physician reporters, right? Physicians who are on um, the major news networks. Um, have you interviewed anybody who, who has that? Well, let's see. Um, I have not. I don't think I've interviewed. I've, I've interviewed like professional speakers. I think you were doing speaking quite a bit for a while. And I've talked to uh, Lynette Charity. You might know her. She's a, she's a speaker. Um, and then it kind of bleeds into sometimes these on uh, TV and radio personalities. But uh, I think for every big one you see, like a national, there's going to be a regional or a local person doing. They start with like newspaper articles. They become the local expert when somebody has a question, they're quoted, and then they might get on the radio. And so, I mean, I've read a lot about people doing that. To me, that's always been something that would be very, uh, would take a lot of uh, intentionality again and knowing branding and marketing themselves. Yeah. And, uh, that, that would be pretty interesting, but it's a little less, uh, of a sure thing. I would think. I would think so. You know, you know how Facebook tries to suggest to you people that you may know, uh, Facebook suggested to me the other day that I may know Sanjay Gupta. So maybe I'll just reach oh, out. Yeah, <laughs> say, you might hey. know. But here's one thing I would say about that. These are the kind of things you can do part-time in your spare time while you're still doing whatever you're doing. It's not like you're doing it all or none. Okay, I'm going to quit medicine and I'm going to become a, a radio talk show host or something. No, you just start small. And if it does, you know, if you get traction, then okay, maybe I will cut my practice back and focus on this other thing. Yeah, absolutely. The final one that's, that's lingering in my mind is, um, and again, these are now we've kind of gone on a, on a fun detour, right? This is not what sure. most people are thinking about, uh, but people who do physicians who do, um, consulting for movies and TV. Yes. Right? I, I mean, that's something that of course we all like to laugh about how much they get wrong, uh, on those shows. Well, yeah. But you, you see that listed on the credits all the time. And, uh, you know, I talked to somebody, it's a little bit off that target and he was uh, a voiceover. Uh, expert. Now, I wasn't a physician. He was a sonographer, but I had to bring him on the podcast because I knew a physician could do even a better job. But, you know, and uh, it's, you know, reading scripts. Uh, it could be acting on the, you know, on the radio or he could do that from home. But uh, voiceovers and, and uh, yeah, that kind of thing. So it's similar to, you know, becoming a more of a personality. Yeah, absolutely. But there's so much fun, I guess, you know, when I think about that, it's not the, it's certainly not one of the you know, top 10 or, or even top 20, um, suggestions I'd ever make to anybody, but it is worth pointing out that people make a living doing all kinds of things, even things like that. So gosh, I hope everyone listening today really feels like there's so many things that they could do. Uh, And even in just the short time that you and I have been speaking, I know we've rattled off a a lot within each of these categories. And I know you have uh, so many, I mean, you're, you're on over 200 episodes on your own show, and almost all of those, uh, you're talking to people about non-clinical careers, right? I mean, that is the heart of your show. That's right. And your website, 
has many, many resources, downloads and things like that. Um, can you speak for a minute or two about what, what kinds of things a person might be able to come over and just get from you while they visit your website? Yes. If you go to the website at nonclinicalphysicians.com, you'll basically have access to everything that I do. Now, I do have a nonclinical career academy, but it's not open at the moment. So if you get on my email list, you will eventually get an email about when that's going to open. But if they, if, if your listeners want to have something that, that might be of practical value and then would still lead into my email list and, and other things, then I would probably have them get my free guide at nonclinicalphysicians.com forward slash free guide. And, uh, it just, it's, it, it gives, goes into some detail on 10 different careers and, and you can actually use that approach to other careers as well, but at least for those 10, it gets pr- into the weeds pretty much in terms of, you know, medical societies or s- associations, let's say professional associations you should join and how to use LinkedIn and all that kind of thing. So, and also resources, you know, cause people have written books about some of these careers. Absolutely. That's so great. That's so great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show today to just at least kind of crack open people's thinking about what they could do. So many people just have no idea what they could do. So they get stuck and they kind of can't even take any of those steps forward. Then they come to me and they say, can you help me? And I say, I can help you how if if, if you know where you want to go and they don't know where they want to go. So I hope today now some of them will. Uh, This is really, really great. Anything uh, before we before we wrap today that you feel like is another tidbit that you want to share? Yeah, I think I want to share one thing that I've come to realize recently, and it's not so much in finding, let's say, the right career or job. It's this the other thing that holds people back a lot of times. Maybe they're not even vocal about it. It's that they're they feel like they're taking a step back or a step down, like they're you know the, the pinnacle of their career is being a physician, but. Of the things that we've spoken about today, pretty much across the board, these are all actually a step up in my mind. They're they're a step forward. They're the next part of your career. And the thing is, you for many of them, you can't move to that next till you've done already what you've done. So you're not going backwards, you're going forwards. And and it's something that there's a big need. A lot of these jobs, there's just tons of openings. So think of it as just that next step in your professional life. Thank you. That's such an important mindset shift, I think, that everyone um, really needs to hear and take to heart. That's really great. Well, thank you so much, uh, Dr. John Jerica, my friend. You can find him on Physician Non-Clinical Careers, uh, the podcast, listen to it, 200 episodes plus uh, to tell you much, much more than what we covered in our time together today. Thank you so much, John. Really appreciate you being on the show. You're welcome. It's been my pleasure and I hope to see you again soon, Marjorie. Okay, guys, if you have enjoyed this conversation, and how could you not, all this very, very valuable information from my friend John Jerica, you'll want to check out a couple of things. The first is his most popular download. I'll put the link on my show notes, so pop on over to my website and grab it. It's a uh, download 20-page guide addressing 10 non-clinical careers that you can pursue today. That's the title of it. And then he also has a, a, a resource for people who prefer video. It's a webinar uh, called Best Options for an Interesting and Secure Non-Clinical Job. And I'll put that link as well, again, over in the show notes. It will dispel some common myths uh, that many physicians believe about non-clinical work and provide an overview of more than 25 non-clinical or non-traditional jobs. So check those things out. Before you go, please review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Your support makes all the difference, and it truly helps this information reach someone who may really need it. 
Until next time, thanks for listening.